The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. Now, we have a special guest today. His name is Anthony Langer, and he has an incredible story, as well as a book out that we'll give you some information on. And uh, first of all, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Give us a little bit of a background of how you got here, what you're doing, what you're up to. Okay. I was very fortunate to get a severance at work by a company, Verizon, actually gave a lot of human compassion, gave me a week for every year. I had 19 years, so I decided to work on myself, so to speak. And I was driving back uh, from my last day of work, uh, my stuff in boxes, and there was an ad that came on about flipping houses in Raleigh. Oh, gosh, I, I, what about flipping middle age? Just thinking about this and thinking about this, and I, in the Middle Ages, from the crossover from the Dark Ages to the Renaissance, they had found a, a manuscript of the Nicomedes Ethics by Socrates translated into Latin. When they found that translation into Latin, people throughout Europe were able to read it. What they started doing was to apply logic to it. If you're a group of people that just went through the bubonic plague, and let's say the bubonic plague was a baseball player. He'd be batting about 330 because one out of every three people were taken out by it. Yeah. We're talking about one out of three, which is, I don't know, baseball good, bubonic plague bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again. Anyway, it was a cognitive force. It was thinking. So you look at the front of my book. It talks about here uh, short standalone chapters designed with the goal of providing thoughts above our dark ages into a life renaissance and a renewed middle age. What you're talking about here is a transformation, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Which is the main premise behind the show. And you've had some things with your life that maybe sparked this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I was in my mid-50s. Um, I have three daughters. And they were going into their teen years. And uh, they were having a conversation at lunch with a couple of friends. And I was in the other room. And girls are developing, talking about things, about how they're developing. And my daughter spoke up and said, you know what? My dad's got the biggest boobs in the house. And uh, oh, wow. it's like, <laughs> that's harsh. I had to think about that. That was like the seed that was planted. And if I go back a few more years, so in 2013, I had a tumor the size of an apple in my chest. Was Pro- it cancerous? Yeah. yeah. It was lymphoma. It doesn't always come with a, a tumor because it's a blood player, but I had to do uh, two open, open heart surgeries before I went to chemo. Mistake I kind of made was going back to work too soon. I had awesome insurance, but it was six months. And then I went back, and uh, four months later, I had congenitive heart failure because some I just drove it too hard. I went back drinking coffee, and I went on back on call. And so that happened, and that was a wake-up call. So if I take the moves and the, and the cancer, and I combine them together, when I had the opportunity to stick, okay, flip myself, I did. And I wrote this book as I was going through it because I felt like the hardest part was overcoming a lot of the social norms, overcoming my own thoughts about myself, about focusing on health, like investing in human capital. Like, why don't I just keep working and saving more money? Why invest in myself? 
all these questions were coming up. It was a rough time. And for me, it's still a challenging, but at the same time, I think I've gone from the dark ages to the Renaissance because I basically told myself that I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do my age in push-ups. So I was born in 1960 and this year uh, will be... 60 push-ups. Putting a final stamp on this transformation. At 60 years old, you want to be able to do 60 proper push-ups in a row. Yeah, and I want to do it for the next 10 years. So every year you're going to add one? That takes tremendous stamina, tremendous consistent work on your health and fitness. And so I think that's such a neat goal and such such a cool marker. And if you back off all year long, it's not like you're going to be able to do that. So this is a great way to give you a goal to stay committed to that and keep working on it uh, all year long. One of the things that I feel very important about is the fact that you got this big surge. Think of it like making your New Year's Eve resolution. And one of my chapters is of the experiment. The printer paper. And I'll write this down for you. My good hand and my non-writing hand. So I just want you to spell your name on left side with your good writing hand and then on the right side with your other hand that you don't typically write with. All right. So for the listeners, I got a piece of paper folded in half. And on one side, it says my good hand. So I'm right-handed. I'll, I'll spell my name. Usually get that right. There we go. Yep. And now I'm going to switch to my left hand, do the same thing. And it looks straight up like a toddler wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would often come back to this experiment. You have to understand that at best, it's a very jagged path. So I go to Sunday dinner after my girlfriend's parents' home after church and pass on the homemade apple pie that her grandmother worked on. And the grandmother has arthritis, and this was the most painful thing she could have done, but she just wanted to share with her family or home cooking. I decided to say, I really can't eat that. It's too high glycemic, and it's not really good for me. At that time, I realized what had happened. I created a crime against all humanity, and I am forever <laughs> banished from that family meals. Yeah. Now, now, going back to this experiment we just did, uh, yeah. where I wrote my name with a good hand and I wrote with my bad hand, what are we trying to demonstrate here? What is the purpose of this? So the, the purpose of that is when I go into the fridge uh, day after Super Bowl Sunday, and I open up thinking I'm going to pull the celery out, but there's a pizza there, and I eat half of it. What you're saying is if we're used to doing one thing, it comes naturally to us, which is going for the pizza, going for the pizza. It's easier to do, and it's clearer, so it's harder to not do that. Yeah. Um, so eating the celery is like trying to write your hand with your left hand. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense now. And and it's difficult, but if we keep writing with our left hand, we get better and better at it. That's correct. I love it. Okay, so if we keep choosing to make those right decisions, and as our body starts to get used to that, we start to prefer that, and we can get better and better. Maybe it won't always be as easy as writing with our right hand. I bet that metaphor carries with your experience with doing the push-ups as well. Like, how's that been going? Do you feel like you started out like a push-up felt like writing with your left hand, but now it's starting to feel a little bit more like writing with your right hand? Yes, it is. And then I gave you a hard time, too. I, I had you change your form on it yes. uh, for longevity to make sure that. So now it really feels like your left hand if you're right-handed. But you're doing great. You're staying dedicated to it, and, and I know you'll hit it. Sometimes the mind follows the body. Sometimes the body follows the mind. 
one of my chapters is I like myself or I don't like myself. Well, who is the I, who is the myself in that conversation? And I do think it's the body and it's the mind. It's what's going on up there. I just felt like the push-ups was my body telling my mind what's going on with me. Because you had mentioned something about proper form. So after my after I had heart failure, it had a lot to do with uh, some part of my chemococcial getting stuck in my muscles. So what did I do? I had to go to, to cleanse my body out. I had to go with more nutrition. And I went all the way to Dr. Furman in New Jersey. And he has this machine that calculates the nutrients in your body. It's not blood sugar or anything. It's just nutrients. And he goes, these are the nutrients you need. This is what you need to eat. I had to do the right form, right? Yeah. Now they got the form down. Now I can uh, apply that. Going back to the form thing, whether it's with nutrition or whether with its exercise, you know, you could do 60 push-ups with the wrong form. However, you can get injured and now it's not sustainable. Uh, And it may be easier because you're compensating with different muscle groups, but forcing yourself to do it the right way makes it sustainable. And it's the same with nutrition plans and weight loss. You can cheat. You can get there quick. You can do liposuction. You can go on a starvation diet. But long term, you're messing with your hormones and you're going to make it very difficult to keep that sustainable uh, without some health consequences. Uh, You've trained a lot of people, Brandon. What do you think it takes timeline-wise so people listening can wrap their mind around to fix like a form on an exercise. How many times before the new muscle memory takes over and now it feels like you're writing with your dominant hand instead of continuing to write with your left hand? There's a couple different theories on this, but I would say if you can do it 15 to 20 times uh, or 15 to 20 attempts a different days, then it should lock in. There's other ideologies I've heard seven times the number you've done wrong. (laughs) When I was a trumpet major in college, that's what they used to tell us when practicing a a passage. So for every time I've played it wrong, I have to play it seven times correct. And I used to tally and try, I don't know that there's any truth to that. And then there's a whole nother methodology. Have you ever heard of a book called The Inner Game of Tennis? No. I know. Galway. So basically they would try and explain all this pedagogy and intricate details of how to correct form and just go on and on in all these complex ways and people would never get better. Or they can watch somebody do it with perfect form 10 times. Just watch them and then they learn. So I don't know. I think there's different methodologies. I think it depends on, on how you learn. We've always, I grew up when, in terms of teaching, I have, a, I have an education degree, and then I did further uh, research when I got my certifications to train. It's tell, show, do methodology. So if you have somebody that can tell you the correct way, demonstrate the right way, and then correct you while you do it, I think you can cut that time way down. It's yeah. a lot quicker. Yeah, that makes sense. I know working out with you, Brandon's my personal trainer. He won't let me get away with doing stuff wrong, so I don't have that ability <laughs> to lock stuff in when you're doing it by yourself. I think that feedback, from, especially from a live human, makes a big difference. And I know uh, in your book, Anthony, and I don't want to give away all your book, but you talk about the importance of a select few people on your hands, of yep. a very close-knit friends who can right. give you honest feedback. Yep. And tell me a little bit about how important that is into this idea of transforming your life, flipping middle age, and what your experience has been with having valuable feedback that's not just criticism to knock you back i've got a good friend actually he's my mentor he's an ex-prison guard for 20 plus years and his name is charles and we had a lot of discussions about that because especially with nutrition is a great example 
a lot of people who develop family customs or whatever, that's something you don't really want to mess with because if they're going to have rolls, mashed potatoes, and whatever, and that's their family meal, I don't care if I'm being carted off at the hospital to get my right foot amputated due to diabetes. They're going to have that because that's part of their tradition. And not only that, people who move away from their family feel close to their family when they eat that way. So <laughs> you try to get your family to buy off on it, it's not that easy, right? You have to stay with like-minded people because it keeps the beach ball in the air. Yeah. I struggle this, with this a lot. This is not a good analogy, but I'll just go ahead and share it. Let's say I had a really bad hemorrhoid, really bad hemis, and I was sitting I on this. I've one of those. They suck. Yeah. They're a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I'm sitting on this donut pad, right? So everyone in the darn house doesn't have to sit on a donut pad, right? No. So you guys don't have hemis, no donut pad. So I can expect everyone to go and start eating celery. I can't expect that. And I can't expect only celery in the fridge. Especially if you share a house with someone else. Yeah. No. So just think of the hemorrhoid donut pad. I love this. You don't got to put one in every chair in the house. Right? Exactly. Anyway. So what are some tips for doing that? Because I know that it's perceived as rude for people, and I've even seen TV shows about it. If somebody's on a really strict diet, if you show up to family dinner and you got your food in a Tupperware container, how is that not offensive yeah. to mom or whoever cooked the meal to be like, eh, I brought my own salary. <laughs> I'd rather eat this. And most people's perception of salary isn't, mm, delicious. So it's a little insulting, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have the social norm headwind, and – uh I found that to be one of the most difficult things. This is an example in my book that touches on that. If I go out to happy hour after work for beer and pizza, and I'm the only one to order a small salad and water, then I am deemed to be a passive-aggressive downer and taken off the group chat. So I, I guess maybe what needs to happen is if they really do care about you and you explain what your goals are and why it's important to you, then it no longer becomes offensive. And if they're not willing to give you that grace, maybe they're not in that inner close circle whose opinions are, are valuable. Think of it like a tomato plant, right? It grows, but it needs that infrastructure, that like steel around thing as it grows. Mm -hmm. You need that. When you're going across the against the current, and everyone in your home is different and they don't understand, you look okay to me. You got to be like a tomato plant and grow up those vines with you, with your circle. That's the only way the plant's going to grow. You can do it yourself, I guess, if you're stuck on a desert island, but, but then you'd probably be healthy, so it wouldn't matter. You'd have to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't have any weight issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably be tired of coconuts, though. Yeah. <laughs> what if it's an island without coconuts? Well, that's tough. Can't do that whole castaway thing, Tom Hanks. Did Gilligan's Island have coconuts? I think so. I they have. Yeah. yeah, I remember them making a coconut radio. Oh, okay, good. good. <laughs> so you started making dietary changes. You overcame cancer, two uh, heart episodes. And can you tell us some of the changes you've experienced so far with your habit changes? What kinds of habits have you changed? Obviously, you're eating a lot more celery now. <laughs> yes. To be honest with you, I'd say... I've developed the habit of forgiving myself yeah. for not being perfect. When I eat right or I make a smoothie, I feel like pumped and good. And then I'll let myself eat three or four pieces of pizza watching, binging on Netflix. And I feel like crap. I really do. I don't think it, that's maybe not for everybody, but I, I started doing my own kind of like biofeedback. 
I feel tired and awful. Like the worst thing in work, I'm in networking. The worst thing I could do is my daughter's order pizza. I'm working home now from three to 11. My daughter's order pizza around seven. I, oh, I go out there and sneak a couple pieces. Then I start, oh my God, I got to make a pot of coffee. I can't handle, handle this. As I'm drowning in the insulin wave, a tsunami, insulin tsunami wave comes, knocks me over and I'm falling asleep and I'm knocked out cold and I got to drink more coffee. I go, hey, maybe that didn't make me feel good. Maybe that food wasn't right for me. It's almost like a two-cylinder engine where you have to think it, you have to understand because looking in the mirror and feeling and looking a little better plus eating and feeling a little better, that kind of me charges my battery it creates all my habits. So you've changed the way you eat. You've started doing some push-ups. And this is, it's not like you went overhauled and started doing CrossFit workouts eight times a day. You just picked one thing and you're using that as a catalyst to drive all your other behaviors and decisions. Yep. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook. Read the testimonials and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching, one-on-one -on -one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. I just want to go back to a point you made about getting into right form a little bit earlier. As well as that is, as I'm trying to hit a number, I don't want to overstress every day, so I started doing... Uh, what do you call it, Brandon, like those negatives where I go up and let myself down? So rather than trying to work, pump out 40, 50, which I can't do, it's more like 12 or 14, but doing these kind of like negatives or letting myself down and hit the ground, could you help explain those better? Yeah, one of the things talking about is the eccentric portion of an exercise, which is when the muscle you're working on is being stretched as opposed to when you're contracting it, trying to move a weight. In this case, your body would be the weight. Mm -hmm. With a push-up, the up portion of that exercise is your chest contracting. That's the concentric movement. And that's movement, and that's pretty hard. But we are 50% stronger in the eccentric or the negative part of the rep. We can handle 50% more weight. So if somebody's trying to get stronger at push-ups and they don't have the strength to hit the number they want, oftentimes an educated trainer would prescribe them negative reps mm -hmm. to where you're intentionally elongating, taking longer on the stretch portion. And in some cases, we don't even care about the up portion. So I'm having you cheat up. And what's cool about the eccentric stretch portion, this is actually tearing muscle fiber, which is what strength mm -hmm. training does in a controlled way. And when those muscle fibers are torn, your body and you eat properly and you rest properly, your body repairs them and creates stronger muscle. So by having you focus on where you're 50% stronger, the eccentric rep, I'm allowing you to get more muscle tear, mm -hmm. which if you have proper rest and proper nutrition, your body's going to build back stronger muscle. So when you go back and try and do the up portion, you're going to have more strength in that portion. So eccentrics is a great way to train that and slowing down the eccentric. I have you doing five counts yep. down, right? Well, what I basically do is I, I get on my knees, like I'm going to do knee push-ups. I just lift my knees up and then slowly let myself down. And proper so, push-up. So I just, it's like a half push-up. And then I really feel the pump after that. And I'm not worried about, oh my gosh, I only did 11 today. I, I should have done 14. Yeah. 
I, I do small numbers. And to me, that's really motivating because I'm getting a little pump. Yeah. And I like the way I look better a little bit without having to worry about the number. Okay, right. go ahead. And the other thing with slowing them down, so you're under a lot more time under tension per repetition. Oh, okay. Okay, so normal tempo push-up, you're probably one to two seconds under tension. But mm-hmm. now we're putting you under five seconds, two, two and a half times that length. And when you go back to normal speed, regular push-ups, I think you're going to find you have quite a bit more stamina, especially as you work these in. This yeah. applies for all kinds of exercises. If you're in the mindset, if you're a person that's like, I can't do a pull-up, yeah. You probably can't right now, but you can train those pull-up muscles by cheating, jumping up, working on eccentric, and you yeah. get the same effect as if you were to do pull-ups that you can't do yet. So you yeah. get to work the same muscles and work your way into it. Until that concentric portion catches up. And there's other work you can do to work on the concentric part too. And I'll slow down concentrics as well. Yeah. So concentric, we're working on recruitment of muscle fiber and strength. Eccentric, we're working on breaking down fiber so it can grow back strong. I tell you, this was everything to me because I was getting so afraid. Like I went ahead and said, I'm going to do this. And most importantly, I told my daughters I am. So I... I don't want to go oh, back to, on the hook. I don't yeah. want to go back to the moves again. <laughs> I, I don't want the moves thing going down. So uh, actually, it gives me a much better moves. Yeah, I, I better looking want, moves. I, I don't want to go there. Man boobs for those that don't know yeah. what moves are. Yeah. Now another quick uh, note on moves, man boobs. Usually, <laughs> something that accelerates the um, growth of man boobs is going to be estrogen-containing foods, particularly alcohol, beer, and then soy products and things like that, and artificial sweeteners like sweet and low. All those types of things are going to accelerate that. So as you clean up your diet, have better foods, stay farther away from alcohol, soy products, and junk food, that estrogen level tends to level out and the man moves decrease rapidly. So how could me drinking a diet caffeinated, I mean, diet soda with caffeine that has artificial sugar, like with no sugar or zero sugar, whatever they call it, I thought that would be good for no calories or how is that working inversely on me? All right, so calories, it's great, and it's not going to have as much of an insulin spike. However, it's still going to mess with other hormones. So saccharin is one of the major ingredients in a lot of diet sodas, uh, and it creates thyroid issues, and it can disrupt hormone levels that can lead to uh, faster growth of man boobs. What can happen is that food companies, in order to market their product, say no sugar, but replace sugar with something that gives it that sugary taste, but that messes with your hormones. Right. So they focus on one positive and they market that one positive right. negating what's happening. But they're not going to be like, also, this will mess you up hormonally yeah. in these ways. Uh. Yeah. So what I, what I recommend to all my clients is a drink called Zevia and it's a soda. It's sweet, It's but it uses stevia. Okay. Which, um, it's almost too sweet for me. Like they really got that thing <laughs> figured out. Yeah, it's delicious. They have a Dr. Pepper ripoff. That yeah, what do they call Dr. Zevia? Something like that. Um, I don't get any kickback from that company, but it's a great choice. So I would definitely write down Zevia sodas. You can get them Harris Teeter, Whole Foods. Let's start with an X? Nope, with a okay. Z as in zebra. That's a salad at the new, in our area, Wegmans. Oh, yeah, that's right, Wegmans. They're probably, that's a nice store. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stores, I thought I saw a custom T-shirt store sure, sure, coming in. And I'm just going to have the uh, words printed, Mambu Guy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's, motivation. Am, that's how people are going to remember me and remember this. But hey, <laughs> Another yeah, you take the good with the bad and the <laughs> ugly. <Okay. laughs> On that note of talking about things that mess you up hormonally, one of the things that's actually sunk in for me for being 
involved in this podcast for a while is how much like havoc like eating corn plays on myself oh, which yeah. feels like it should be a really healthy thing and it shouldn't mess me up that bad but it like stops all my progress in terms of gains or feeling good when i consume corn and there's another product that you turned me on to which is that company that sells chips that they figured out how to make without any corn in it oh yeah siete siete so yeah. i can still get my salsa on yeah and they're not bad, man. And, yeah. and if you did the flour tortillas and you warm them up first, I would even put them in the category of good. Yeah, oh, yeah. And theirs aren't <laughs> made with wheat flour. They're made with cassava flour, which comes from a potato. So there's no wheat grain or corn. Siete is just an awesome company. But you can find a replacement for every single cheat food on the planet. They may not all come out exactly the same as the junk food, but you, you get pretty darn close. And it's not so much about the calories or the sugar content. It's about the hormonal disruption. Right. The whole picture. Right. Not just calories, not just insulin, but everything going on. Like for me, like you were talking about doing like some biological uh, audits kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when I mess up and do like the corn, for me, I feel like sleepy, bloated, and yeah. hungry. Yeah. It's, it's not very satiating to <laughs> cheat. No. And they're like, I could eat like 16 pounds of nachos, I feel. And yeah. just be like, yeah. oh, that's great. Versus <laughs> if I eat a really good omelet, I'm like full and I don't need to eat for three hours. Now, something we always ask our guests before we finish the show is if you met somebody and they are trying to make a positive transformation, whether it's flipping middle age or health-wise or kicking a habit, what are the top three things that you would tell them in order to improve their life? Purpose. Purpose and purpose. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> yes, I did. Something has to jumpstart, pull you out of the mud. And what's going to get you through is purpose. So I, my mother is a widow. I've got three young daughters in a family. And I didn't really want to see my mom uh, pushing me out of a wheelchair. I thought I should be pushing her out of the wheelchair. Yeah. So secondly is... When I was in the cancer hospital, I was having a lot of, and then with heart failure, I was having literal nightmares of me sitting in a wheelchair Why some boyfriend was not being, was less than polite to my daughter and I couldn't get out and I couldn't help her. Yeah. I owe all of them. And I want to, so I have to work to 70 because financial health, I went through the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history in 2002, I think, but also I. I live in California until 33, so I'm not going to say anything else. I didn't get married until I was 41. Am I at the TMI point now? Yeah. No, there's okay. no such yeah. thing. Okay. Uh, I think I talked about painful bowel movements two, two episodes ago, so we're good. I don't even know where I took that off to. I, for, I forgot where I was. What, what days today? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we're on Earth. Good. Thank you. There's Lewis Black, comedian, he used to have this bit about Earth Day's purpose is to remind us what planet we're on. So. <laughs> Yeah, but no. So I think you're doing incredible things. You're making these changes. You look great. Uh, you're out there working out with me and Jimmy in the gym the other day. You're killing it. You were grabbing barbells, pressing them, doing all kinds of stuff. Most people your age aren't even thinking about that. Uh, you have this incredible, ambitious goal that's going to be so symbolic for everything you've gone through. Uh, you have this awesome book out, and I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I love how honest it is. And can I just read this uh, prologue here? Sure. This is my favorite. So Prologue says, my brother-in-law taught me how to flip middle age. Uh, blank pages are for personal notes. It can be used as a diary. And then here's my favorite part. The spacing and spelling issues you may come across are there because the author is spacing out and angry to the point of not caring due to refined carb and sugar withdrawal. <laughs> so, yeah. 
This is uh, you know, wicked funny. Your sense of humor is on point. And this, these are short. You could read a page in a minute. Like I was drinking my coffee and just looking through a few of these. And each of the pages is meant to be thought-provoking. You can write out a, a couple things on the next page. This is fantastic. So if you're not a big reader... I think it's still a great book. I'm yep. down to just audiobooks now, but even I can handle this. So I, I file my book on a, in a kind of a small room on a porcelain uh, shelf. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> the book is called Flipping Middle Age, Volume 1, which means there'll be a Volume 2 out shortly. If you're interested in getting a copy, which I highly recommend, it's available from local indie publisher lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. Again, the title is Flipping Middle Age, sells for $7.22, but is meant to be written in and used and loved and bent and dirtied and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so also the extra pages, we worked kind of tight on toilet paper. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, so if it comes back again, you, you're yeah. going to be okay for a few days. Yeah, I was in Lowe's the other day, and they actually have a welcome mat now. It says uh, B-Y-O-T-P, bring your own toilet paper. <laughs> So they're selling these COVID mats. Anyway, thank you so much for your honesty and sharing your story and using what you've gone through to help and educate other people and motivating them. If somebody want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? They can go to my website, flippingmiddleage.com. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope to have you on again. And uh, you'll have to tell us about volume two. I'm glad you asked that because volume two is doing my age and pushups. After I do my age and pushups and I publish my next book, how about I come back? I'm inviting myself, but hey. Yeah, because my understanding is flipping middle age is more about the mental component right. of volume one. Volume right. two is going to be now let's put all that into action and make some changes. Yep. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle.